Matthew chapter 2 in your Bible. Matthew chapter 2. I want to preach tonight on the wise men, what we learn about them and what we can learn from them. As a pastor, as I said, this is 41 Christmases for me as a pastor. We have had all kinds of programs and uh, live nativity scenes and things that we've done. And uh, we didn't include the wise men uh, at the manger scene. And you'll see that in the scriptures here tonight. Um, I would jokingly tell people in the church we couldn't find three wise men in the church <laughs> to be able to use. Uh, and uh, I, love, I love Christmas. It is my favorite time of the year. I love it. I, I mean, I'm, I focus not on the manger I focus on a cross, and but I love Christmas. Uh, yes, we do put up some Christmas decorations in our house. Uh, uh, we don't ho ho hoes and it's that kind of emphasis or anything like that. But we we do have some Christmas decorations in our home. And if it was up to me, um, you know those eight Christmas trees that we got now, uh, <laughs> I talked to a. a a fellow this week, I work uh, for a funeral home. You'll hear me talk about that when we talk about myrrh in a minute. But I did two, work two funerals this week. And a guy that worked with me, 82 years of age, his wife died a couple of years ago. His second wife passed away. He'd, uh, first marriage was about 30-something years, 40 years. She passed away, met a lady, uh, and um, married her. They were married 18 years, and she died a couple of years ago. Everything in their house, he moved everything out and she moved everything in Christmas in every room. 80, 82 Christmas trees. 82 Christmas trees. No, we don't have that. But, um, but I, I like it so well that I, it would be fine with me if we just kept it up year round. Um, and we'd have the focus on Jesus being the light of the world. I love to see that. We went to see some Christmas lights the other night. And uh, just a focus on Jesus, the light of the world. I, I like to see that. We're going to talk about the wise men tonight. And um, I told you a couple of weeks ago, my favorite story. I've got so many things that happen. The longer you live, the longer you're in ministry, the more things happen to you that I, you don't need to make anything up. It just, it just happens in ministry, and, and uh, I love to laugh anyway. But I told you about, a, we did a start a Christian school in Houston, Texas, and uh, little Nathan Doty, I don't know where he is now. This would have been in about 1984, 85, something like that. He was about a first grader. Uh, I was doing chapel, and we were acting out the Christmas stories and we ask a few Christmas questions to the children and uh, I said this is uh, part of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2 I said there were gifts brought to uh, Jesus by the wise men can anybody tell me any of those gifts and, oh you know they, they got their hands up and most of them don't know have an idea at all about it but they got the hand waving like that and so Nathan stood up, uh, for a little first grader, and he said, Preacher, I, I, I don't know uh, all of them, but I know that one of them was Frankenstein. <laughs> <That> was <one. laughs> 
Yeah. I love I just about busted a gut. I mean, you know, there are certain things that happen. You don't know how the preacher's going to even be able to continue. I mean, just how I can carry on. Uh, we've had some good children's things and adults' things and funny things happen. But uh, the wise men, as we talk about them, there's very little known. There's a lot of, th- a lot of speculation. We sang a song tonight and uh, in the musicale, they sang it, and, and uh, Daniel Diedrich explained. We don't really know that there were three kings. Uh, we three kings of Orion are. We sang that tonight. We don't know. They really weren't kings. They were magi. Uh, we have several things that are just speculations about it, but what we do know is what the Word of God tells us, and we know that to be the truth. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They were saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he would gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written by the prophet. So this all the way down through verses, verse 12 is the account of the wise men coming to see Jesus. We don't know their names. We don't know how many there were. It's traditionally thought that there were three of them who came because there's three different gifts. But we have no idea. We don't know whether there were two people carrying three gifts. We don't know if there were 18 of them or there were 36 of them. We have, there was no number given. So it's just speculation when we talk about, about three. Um, we don't know that they rode on camels. But the pictures all picture them riding on camels. Some people have said that probably... If they were wealthy men, uh, they were probably riding on Arabian horses. I don't know. Uh, Exactly what country were they from? We don't know. They're from the east. We don't have any idea what country they're from. Many have speculated that it probably was from Babylon. That would be modern-day Iraq, by the way. They're really not kings. They are the magi. They were people who specialized in astrology and there's a great emphasis on them watching stars as they do in this story. We also find that they came and they came not to a manger but they came to a house. And when they came to the house we don't know exactly how much time has passed but some time has passed. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, the, the Greek word that's used is for a newborn child, newborn baby. But in Matthew chapter 2, a different Greek word uh, referring to the child in verse 11 is a word that means more an older child, a little older child, not, a, not an infant in a manger. Again, we don't know. Some people have speculated that it was maybe two years before they came to see the Christ child. We do know that from this beginning verses of Matthew chapter 2, that whatever they did, it was a sacrificial trip. Maybe, as I said, coming from Babylon, Iraq today, if that was the case, the journey would have been 
around 300 miles or more. A pretty long ride, uh, whether you were riding a horse or walking or whatever it was, it was a pretty long ride. It was a, a sacrificial trip for these people to come. Remember, uh, no air conditioning. We, the older we get, I don't know about you, but the older we get, we are all about creature comforts. We talk about Linda and I riding down the road. We, the other day we went up and we took a wrong turn up here at one of these uh, roundabouts here in Columbus. And uh, I don't know who invented them. I'm, I mean, I'm a civil engineer, but whoever it was, they didn't know what they were doing. They, they invented those roundabouts. And we took a wrong turn and ended up going on I-26 toward Hendersonville, whether we wanted to or not. And we got off up there in Saluda and we came down 176. I, I'd been on that long years ago. Matter of fact, before I-26 was finished, you would ride up I-26 years ago. This is back in the 60s. You'd ride up I-26 and you had to get off and you had to run through Tryon and all back roads to be able to get around. Then you connected back on I-26 again. Well, they finally finished it and so we, we had been on 176 before, but it was get, starting to get dark. And that is the windiest road. Uh, it's Joyce, uh, of course, her brother-in-law, Bill Hall, a dear friend of ours. I called him on the phone, called Bill and Shirley Hall on the phone this week to talk with them a little while. And uh, Bill had preached my wife's graveside funeral service when my wife passed away 13 years ago. But he told me last time he was here, he said, he said, those windy roads down here. He said, coming down here, he said, I saw, I honked at somebody's taillights and I realized they were mine. <laughs> he, said, he said, we rode down 176 down through there and my wife, she says, I, I was raised on a dairy farm. I love being in the country. I just hate being in the wilderness, he said. <laughs> we're all about comfort. We're all about convenience. We're all about cooling and the heat. We, uh, we met with six couples Friday night. Uh, several of them are preachers, some of them retired preachers, and their family and their wives. And we, uh, we talked about how things had changed with our, us when we travel. Uh, my son, John, uh, went, he's in the Air Force Reserve, and he had uh, some time in training over in England and he was about three hours from London, and so he got three days off, and he decided to ride a train from that uh, air base down to London. He wanted to go see some London sites and church history sites and things like that. And he had a, it was in the wintertime, he had a coat on, a big coat. He had underwear in his pocket, and he had a toothbrush, and he spent three days down there with just that in travel. We were talking around that table Friday night. I said, when we come up here to Columbus, we bring a carload of stuff. I've got one kitchen sink that we started bringing. Now we bring a second kitchen sink. Now we've got humidifiers. We've got electric blankets with dual controls. we got, I mean, I, you've got, I've got so much stuff in a car. you got all that medicine you bring and all you got your calendar to make sure you don't miss your doctor's appointments. I mean, you've got everything with you that you bring. And each time we come, it seems like we bring something else that we've got to have. 
And Josh helped us unload yesterday, and it took him half an hour to be able to help us unload that stuff. I think about the sacrifices that these men made in coming to see the Savior. Uh, <laughs> we were talking with those guys the other night about uh, a preacher friend that when he, uh, and he had come from a business background, heavy uh, business background, and he went to a father-son camp out. And he was in his 70s, and he decided he wanted to go with the church guys. He didn't have a son on the, on the but he came to the father-son camp out. He brought his tent a memory foam mattress, six-inch memory foam mattress. He had a portable television set, and he brought all kinds of stuff that he brought with him, and all these guys were roughing it out here in a state park somewhere. And I thought, just think about these guys traveling 300 miles to come to see Jesus. They were not necessarily all about comfort, convenience, cooling, and memory foam mattresses like we are today. Think about the dangers that they would face. I think about the fact of even going to see Herod the king. Herod was, this was over his jurisdiction there in Jerusalem. He was a puppet king, if you've studied about him. Uh, he, of course, uh, was a puppet to Rome and, and very vicious man. You didn't know what you were getting when you went to see him. He is one who had, uh, he was going to have some babies murdered. We'll see that in just a little bit. Very cruel man. He had uh, a few of his wives he had killed. He had three of his sons killed because he thought somebody was going to try to usurp the throne. And so he, he was a vicious man, and yet they were going to have to face him as well. You didn't want to get on his bad side. I mean, if Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, as you know. And uh, I thought about all the dangers that they were willing to face. Then I thought about the underground churches that we pray for. The underground churches, and if they meet at different times in different places, Dr. Comfort was telling us about preaching over in Australia to a preacher's meeting where they didn't start the service, and he didn't start preaching until 10 o'clock at night. You think about that, in America, most folks wouldn't even come. They wouldn't show up. He said he was preaching until 12 o'clock. And I mean, if, I, if, if he preached till 12 o'clock, I would have wanted to be there, but it... That was past my bedtime right there, I'm telling you. Think about all the sacrifices that they made, the dangers that they would face. Then uh, we saw today, this is third Sunday in a row, I, but who's keeping count? Third Sunday in a row that's been raining on a Sunday. God's in charge of it. He rains on the just and the unjust. He's in charge of it. But, you know, one drop of rain keeps 19 Baptists out of church. If you think about the sacrifices and all that people were willing to go through to see Jesus and seek him and worship him, what kind of sacrifices are we willing to make to worship our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Bill Hybels, several years ago, started Willow Creek Church, and, and it was supposed to be a seeker-sensitive church. They just said, uh, oh, you don't like preaching? We won't have preaching. We'll, we, you don't... Uh, you want drama? We'll have drama. You want um, Hollywood movies? We'll have Hollywood. Whatever they wanted, 
we'll just give it to them so we can get them in here. These folks were seeking the Christ child, but they were not seeker sensitive. <laughs> they were willing to take the sacrifices necessary to get to see the one they had heard was born to be king of the Jews. In Romans 3.11, it says, There is none who seeks after God. You hear people give their testimony, and I, I love it. I, as I said, I heard this accountant's testimony this, this Friday night that was just a, a blessing to me. I got my handkerchief out, and I was wiping my eyes as they were telling about when he told about coming to know Jesus Christ as an adult and receiving Christ as his Savior. But you know, I hear people say, well, one day I found the Lord. No, you didn't. He found you. He found you. We were not really seeking him. He sought us. He found us. 1 John 4, 19 says that we love him. Why? Because he first, he first loved us. We have had blinded eyes, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, and our eyes by the Spirit of God were open to spiritual truth. As John Newton said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind spiritually, but now I see. I think about what motivated these wise men to come to see the Christ child. Notice, it also tells us in this passage of Scripture, verse 2, it says, For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Very interesting observation. Sometimes if you want to read up on that, read uh, Answers in Genesis' account about the star. It was not just certain planets lining up in, in, in line. This was supernatural, this star was. I, I think about the Shekinah glory that led the children of Israel and it, it came upon the, on the tabernacle it may have been the Shekinah glory that was directing them uh, in the night, shining brightly that night. Whatever it was, it was supernaturally leading them to the right place. It would be, they were coming to the right place. They were coming to Bethlehem. In Micah 5, 2, it tells us that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, the house of bread God had put an interest in their hearts. He had, he had worked in their hearts to draw them, and now they were coming. It says in verse 2, the end of it, and have come to worship him. Jeremiah 29, 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. It was diligently seeking. They were diligently seeking to worship him. I think of Acts 17, 11. It says that the Bereans, they searched the scriptures daily to see whether something was so. And yet you and I, if we're going to find him, this is where we're going to find him. We must be searching the scriptures as Pastor Capel talked about those Bible reading schedules. Let me encourage you to get one and to use it and begin to read Old Testament and New Testament and look in there and see what does it tell me about God? 
What does it tell me about my Savior? What does it tell me about my sin and myself and what I need to avoid and what I need to, to make sure that I'm holding on to earnestly and what I need to follow? And ask some questions and write some things down and you seek earnestly. And you, you will not recognize yourself spiritually a year from now after you spent that year in the Word of God. It'll change you. It'll change you. Matter of fact, John 5, 39 says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Jesus is speaking there. He said, Get into the Scriptures. This is what testifies of me. This is where we get to know Him. You desire light? If you desire light, God will show you more light. In many missionary stories of, of missionaries going for the first time to the field, uh, Brother Sawyer, knowing that as they get to a place and uh, they, these people don't know anything about Jesus yet, but they get there and they find that something has been moving in their heart beyond themselves and seeking out something that would give them hope and help and rescue and if you desire light, God will give you more light. He did for these men as they journeyed to worship the Christ child. Many today uh, are not finding the light or not finding the hope and the answers because they're looking in the wrong place. They're looking for the satisfaction in this world and it will never satisfy. It will never bring satisfaction. Relationships will not bring satisfaction. Not a relationship down here, but a relationship with him will. Drugs and all kinds of uh, putting your life, giving your life to your work and your career and, and just even family. I love family. I'm excited about family. Uh, good, good. Looking forward to seeing some family uh, here at Christmas time. But it's not just putting them first either. We, you can, you put a, a lot of people have put their confidence in that I've had I've had grandmothers tell me preacher pray for me I just worship my grandchildren I hope you don't worship your grandchildren you worship Jesus and and God will work in their lives to cause them to worship him too and when you together are worshiping Christ boy what a bond and a blend that gives us when we're we're all worshiping the Christ of the Bible In verse 7 of Matthew chapter 2, it says, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He, he was worried. Just like I said, he had already had a, a couple of his wives and a couple of sons killed. He heard this story about the fact that there was going to be somebody born and a Jew was coming that would be the Messiah. He may try to take over his position. He was concerned about that. And it said in verse 8, he said, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. Again, that's not a babe in the manger. Young child. And when we have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And beside that verse, in every Bible I've ever had, I've always put big question marks. What do you mean come to worship? He would have him killed if he could. He's not planning on worshiping him. He said, sure, 
You, you find out all about him and let me find out where he is. And then look with me over there uh, in verse 14. It says, and when he arose, he took the young child, his mother, by night and departed into Egypt. Here they're, they're leaving, Joseph and Mary. And it says in verse 15, and there was until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly raw, very angry, and he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. And what Jesus may have been about two years of age. We don't know how long it was, but he was older. And he said, look, we're going we're to have all those killed because I, I want to make sure that I, I get the one, I get the one that may be the Messiah who would take my place and take over my position. Well, God moved them out so that he wasn't there. Aren't you glad for how God moves and puts pieces of the puzzle together in our own lives, changes things around, changes our direction? Uh, I, I you know, would be on this journey and all of a sudden uh, the Spirit of God directed us in a different direction and not knowing, we didn't know maybe the whole story, but maybe it was something that was going to, could have happened to us if we hadn't have gone in the new direction. I thank the Lord for how God directed there in this story as well. For we see that um, Herod, he wasn't going to worship him. He wanted to kill him. Well, Tonight, I'd like for us to conclude by looking at the gifts that these wise men brought. There's something about, about them. Again, we don't, we don't know exactly the reasons for them. Somebody, some people have said maybe that these wise men had come across Daniel's prophecy of Daniel chapter 9 about the Messiah coming. Some... Uh, maybe believe that uh, somehow they had come across a copy of the Old Testament where they could read about the prophecies of the Savior. Uh, we really don't know. We don't know that information. But we do know what the Bible has to say. It tells us that there were at least three gifts that were brought. And we sang about it tonight in some of the songs that we sang. First of all, it says they presented unto him gifts, end of verse 11, Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So I read that verse 11. I thought in my own life, as we approach this Christmas season, is our focus upon Christ or is our focus upon the gifts? We need to ask ourselves that tonight. Is our focus upon Christ or is our focus upon even the gifts that are given at Christmas time, they gave these three different gifts. First of all, they gave gold. We sang about it tonight, and the song talked about it. It says that gold is fitting for a king, a king. Notice Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2 saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So first of all, a gift for a king. One day crowned the king of kings. 
and Lord of Lords. He's the ruler. He is the ruler. He is the king. In the song of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 33, it says, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. When you have a kingdom, there needs to be a king over that kingdom, and it's Jesus. He will one day rule and reign in the millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years. He rules today as well. He's in charge. A gift fitting only for a king. Does the king, that king, rule in your heart tonight? What position does he hold in your heart tonight? Gold for a king. And then they brought him frankincense, a gift for deity. We preached about it last week. He is the mighty God. Jesus is God in the flesh, a gift for deity. Uh, he is Emmanuel. Matthew 1.23, he is God with us. And so again, a gift not only for a king, but one for deity who is God. Then lastly, they brought myrrh. It's a bitter herb. They uh, usually used it for uh, times with, after a death of a body, embalming. They didn't have embalming procedures. I, I worked seven years for Peacock Funeral Home in Whiteville uh, and while I was pastoring and also worked as a hospice chaplain. But working around funeral homes, uh, you see things like that. I worked as a hospice chaplain, so I was around death. I was around death in the funeral homes. I worked two funerals this week, one Wednesday and one Friday at Green's Funeral Home. I worked for them in Rock Hill. And uh, they get 750 calls, a big funeral home, get 750 calls a year. But 61% of them last year were cremations. Uh, it's becoming more and more. Popular. I'm not in favor of that, but uh, I don't, nobody asked me. I do do funeral, preach for uh, funeral homes. I do preach for some of them, and I preached a lot of funerals over in uh, Whiteville for people that did not have a pastor. But they would bring here myrrh. Uh, it was used for embalming. A very unique gift for a baby. Why would you bring Something to give to a baby that represents death and embalming. Because Jesus was going to go to the cross and die. He was going to die. And here was a symbol of that 33 years or 31 years earlier uh, that he would be going to die for our sins. He was born to die. He was, we had the men sing, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? What a great job they did today on that. Because the Savior was not just born in the manger. He came to die. He came to die. Here at Christmas time, I like it when we do Christmas programs. We always had a little manger scene. And I told you some people, some adults who trusted Christ who came to some Christmas programs that we had. But our focus need not be on a manger. 
It needs to be on a cross. Our focus needs to be on the cross. This myrrh points us to a death, to a death that Jesus would die. Another interesting thing about this story, people have commented that when in Luke chapter 2, when the shepherds came, it says they found Mary, Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. But when these come, these magi, when they come, the focus in, in verse 11, it says, and when they were come to the house, they saw the young child. He's mentioned first. The focus in this text is on Jesus first, then Mary. Can I tell you tonight, Jesus needs to be first in our focus as well. Tonight, there will be many who will be meeting over these Christmas times all over this country who will go to some cathedral somewhere and their focus will be on Mary. They'll be putting Mary first. I'm so thankful tonight that the emphasis is not on Mary or on Joseph. The emphasis is on Christ. May we put him first. We worship the only one worthy of worship. John chapter 4 tells us that the Father seeks those who would worship him. The only thing sought by God in the New Testament is worshipers. He's looking for worshipers tonight. Like these wise men, the, the magi, are you and I seeking the Lord? Are we worshiping Christ tonight? Baby, no. Christ the Savior, yes. He's not still on that cross either, by the way. He's now seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for you and me tonight. But tonight, I pray that we would make much of Jesus, not just at Christmas, but all through our lives, may we make much of Jesus. For these wise men, they sought him and they worshiped him. Let's bow.